Coaches in the game, <laughs> we really ain't playing. We regroup up in the Slack chat where the coaches debrief. We be piecing these puzzles, occupy the chunk of the pie. Ain't no lie when we hit the block, helmets, casket is top. You be seeing helmet after helmet, helmet after helmet. First place, second place, fifth place, eighth place, twelfth place, fifteen, sixteen, twenty. So many helmets, you got blur vision, we got too many. Tick the tech, oh man, shit. <laughs> they got us fucked up. Army, regroup. We pledge always to have that edge. We don't fire warning shots. Competition just dropped. We locked and loaded before lock. Whatever the time, yeah. Do you even correlate? Being the best requires a willingness to outwork your competition. There's always someone smarter, faster, sharper. More naturally gifted. What's up, everyone? Kevin Allen here from DFS Army, and I am excited to bring on my man, Bobby, Bobby Wow Clinks, two-time Millie Maker DFS winner to discuss his big win this past Thursday, 550K, split of a million dollars, a two-way split. Very exciting. That's not your only win, though. My man Bobby took down a FanDuel million-dollar win last season, all using the DFS Army Domination Station Optimizer. So we're going to talk about the most recent win. We've got settings. We've got screenshots. We've got everything. And we're going to pick Bobby Wow's brain about how to approach tournaments and take down millions of dollars. What's up, Bobby Wow? How are you feeling, my man? I'm feeling really good, man. Uh, still kind of in disbelief a little bit, but feeling feeling really good. There we go on screen. Uh, I mean, I I'm in disbelief and it wasn't even me. It was you. I'm in disbelief. So Bobby Wow, last season, I believe it. There, there it is. There it is on screen. Daniel Jones, Sterling Shepard, nice little stack, took down a million dollars on the FanDuel Sunday million. Incredible. Once in a lifetime. Lightning struck. Use the domination stage from DFS Army to hammer that out, right? Sure. Now, look what happened on Thursday. Another 550K win. Unbelievable. So I want to start, but we're going to jump into the settings, the thought process, and approach. And, and for anybody who hasn't seen him before, Bobby Wild actually joined the DFS Army staff this season for NFL, and he's breaking down showdowns for us as well. And we get your sheet, and it's awesome. And so it makes it even more exciting that now a, a, a subscriber turned contributor turned staffer still taking down the big money prizes. So um, $550,000 in the festival. How are you feeling right now with all of this? Is there, you know, what's going through your mind both during this, at the end of this game, when you're looking at the win and now even a couple days later, as you're thinking about, wow, I can't believe I did that. A lot of things. I, I mean, you know, I think I told you earlier, it's it's kind of like you're waiting to wake up from a dream. <laughs> um, it's it's crazy. Um, and yeah, I, I don't I'm I'm super happy. You know, my wife appreciates sports and, and loves them, which makes me even happier. <laughs> um, so, she, yeah, does she give you less of a hard time when you're spending a lot of time kind of making lineups and, you know, knowing that that's it's been a real income producer for your family? She's she's always been super awesome about giving me time, but yes, even even more so now. I bet. I bet. All right. So I want to get into everything, but one of the things I was just telling you off air is, you know, one of the most incredible things about your wins, and I was we were just talking about that a little off air, is just how it's been a proof of concept for the tools that we've built, specifically the optimizer, the domination station. We're gonna get into the exact settings that you used with the Dom station um, to achieve this big win. But for us and watching now, we've pretty much had a DFS Army person or multiple people tie for every showdown almost that's happened since we've launched this tool. And certainly, you know, over the past couple of seasons, you always see DFS Army helmets in first place. And one of the nice things is, you know, everybody's gotten different size contests. A couple of weeks ago on the stat change night, when G Money took down 250K as part of like a five way split, same kind of win literally the week before, but a few more people involved. 
I saw like 40 screenshots or 30 of other DFS Army subscribers just taking down the $1. You know, there was there was a, a girl on Twitter who DM'd me or, or tweeted me a $1 entry that won 2000 And that's that's really impressive. That's amazing. Like, she's like, oh, yeah. I only put one in right off the Dom station. It was actually lineup number seven or something that generated that took down that big contest, 250K. So um, really incredible stuff. But you did something incredibly unique in this contest to get there. So... I think I want to dive into it and really talk about your approach and strategy to DFS as a whole while we and and to taking down tournaments because you've done some other incredible things as well. I think almost more impressive than the million or this half a million dollar win, which is I don't know how you could be more impressive than that. I was really blown away in that um, showdown baseball showdown when you took like first, second, fourth, fifth. I've just never seen that. That was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And it's almost more impressive than this. I don't have the screenshot up, but um, you know what I'm talking about. 50K, 20K. I mean, like, who does that? Only Bobby Wow. Wow. You put the wow in Bobby Wow. <laughs> I got to get, I mean, that name. I, I made that name when I was in, like, third grade. And I, yeah. I, you got to keep the name that you made. Your avatar name stays with you for life. I don't care when you made it. I don't even go by my avatar name. That's fair. You know, but it's still there. If I told you the story of my avatar name, all fair. Okay, so let's talk about this big win. And and what we're talking about is the Thursday night contest between the Packers and the 49ers. And let's get into the head of this game as we start. to. I'm going to jump in and bring up some screenshots, but let's get into the, the mind space of this game. I hope I hope this is visible on screen. Let me see if I can make this as big as I can. There we go. All right. Try to make that as visible on screen as we can. This is the domination station. But the mindset of this game was it was Thursday night football. The 49ers had all of their wide receivers sitting back with the Rona. They're all hurt. Bourne is out. Ayuk has got the Rona. Um, uh, Debo. Debo Samuel, he's out. George Kittle, out. The whole team hurt. The quarterback is out. We got Nick Mullins. And a bunch of Nayer do wells. That's the that's the sort of background of this game. On the flip side of this game, we had the most obvious captain play in the history of uh, showdowns with Devonte Adams and and Aaron Rodgers. Just Devonte Adams has been ridiculous. Aaron Rodgers has been on fire. One of the most obvious captain plays I would say in the history. So. With all that being said, let's take a look at kind of what you did here to achieve this big win. And, and we're looking at the settings and looking at this here. I see you've got 150 lineups being created, one unique, nothing special here, nothing out of the ordinary. You didn't even need to screenshot it except 6% randomization. Do you always do that? I'm always in this 6 to 8% range, but it's it's purely superstitious, really. Just, <laughs> just, just to try and get things, you know, shaken up a bit. Okay, yeah, just a little bit of randomness in there for shits and giggles. I, I don't often use randomization. I don't do it because I don't like every time I push the button, it's slightly different. But, you know, every time I run it, but I don't mind it. I, I understand the pros and cons of it. So now let's look at the rules you made and, and let's let's go over this a little bit. And then we'll get into like the thought process behind a lot of these plays once we get into the actual exposures. So the only rule you really made here is if, if the quarterback is captain, then one of his pass catchers for Mullins. Now, what people aren't seeing here is that you fully faded both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams as captain. You had no exposure to those guys, which is why there's no rule around them. That's right. not Explain the thought process behind that full fade. Yeah, you know, I think anytime I approach a, a large field GPP like this, my mindset is always, you know, how can I take down, obviously take down the first place prize. Um, and immediately I'm, I'm processing all of the, what could happen scenarios. So, you know, that in conjunction with ownership projections, which, you know, DFS army has them super important to pay attention to those seeing Rogers and Adams, you know, combined for somewhere in the realm of, 65 ish percent total captain ownership. Um, you know, immediately right there, it was like, okay, 
the chances are highest that Rodgers or Adams ends up as the MVP or as the captain. But, you know, there, there are some legitimate chances elsewhere. And then I dug a little bit deeper, you know, like you talk about the, the receivers for the 49ers are all out. So the two main pass catchers that had actually had NFL experience on their resume um, that weren't on the COVID list were priced $200. They were the minimum price on DraftKings. Uh, and so, you know, we knew Rodgers and Adams are going to score. The 49ers are going to have to throw the ball if they have any hope of, of even trying to keep up with the Packers or make things somewhat competitive. And so, you know, I figured there was a shot that one of those two guys was going to play a, a pretty big role in in trying to keep up, uh, even if it meant garbage time. And, and you know, that's kind of where I started. So it was a combination of ownership, salary, um, and what what could happen? What could happen? Not what we expect to happen, but what what could be an alternative scenario? So, what I just popped up on screen for for anybody who doesn't know, the winning lineup for the Thursday night showdown featured Richie James as the a the featured player, but but as the captain on DraftKings, right? Richie James was actually able to outscore Devonte Adams in this game. And that was really kind of what delivered the win. But there's a second component here that you just mentioned, and you do have a rule here, actually. That's interesting. So you made a rule. If Jarek McKinnon is captain MVP, then zero Jermichael hasty. That totally makes sense. Um, but I don't see where you did a rule like that. Just in general, did you, so you did that as a captain rule. You didn't have that as a, if you allowed both of them to be in the flex together. Now, Jermichael hasty and, Jarek McKinnon are the running backs for San Francisco. All the other guys were hurt. So this was just eliminating the the pairing in captain flex. But in, in this case, you could have had McKinnon and hasty lineups combined in the flex. You didn't, didn't decide not to eliminate that. That's right. And, and if we really boil down to the nitty gritty, I basically configured the points per dollar so that, it was likely that only one of them would end up in the lineup anyway. So, you know, just based on their projections that I moved around, that was that was going to be the scenario anyway, which is why I didn't make a rule on it. And I did want a couple lineups just in case, you know, Hasty ran in a touchdown and McKinnon caught a touchdown. I thought that was also one of the one of the could happen scenarios. So there were a couple like that. Somebody just asked in the um, in the comment section, have you done any qualifiers or have you qualified for anything? And I see, have you um, been in any of the live championships? I feel like yes. I, I have not, and I was actually going to be in one or two of them. Um, I want to say one was baseball and one one might have been football. I can't remember, but they were both canceled because of COVID. So that was a total bummer. Yeah. All right. So you have qualified for them, but the Rona. Yeah. The Rona. All right. Well, that's cool. All right. So <laughs> totally. Now, I want to go to this next screen here, Bobby, which is your captain exposures because this is where this was this is the one that was really interesting for me and for those of you guys watching i want you to pay attention to projected ownership one of the things we have in dfs army is ownership projections right we project ownership for the captain and the show um uh the captain and the flex position and bobby one of the things you talk about a lot is leveraging the field with ownership so let's take a look at a couple of your extreme leverage spots here now bobby also did a sheet for this but bobby does our FanDuel sheets. So the breakdown that you we have from you was for FanDuel, but a lot of the notes kind of pointed to a lot of these um, leans. So one of the things here I note. All right, so you played Nick Mullins a little bit, a little over the field. You got way over the field on some other spots though. Jarek McKinnon, Jermichael Hasty, Trent Taylor, big time, two point eight percent, and the biggest was Richie James, who essentially was going to be zero ownership so any ownership and you only had 10 percent richie james so the first thing i wanted to ask you is number one let, let me go to the full slate actually because i'm going to open this up and and i think i think it will be more more telling if i show the actual slate on screen here oh of course for the um oh that's a bummer uh for for the um we don't show our project in, in our in our back test mode, it doesn't actually show the projected ownership anymore because it just gives you actual ownership. So we don't have it. Uh, that's a bummer. All right, but all right, that's okay. 
is I'll it go back it, probably not maybe it's in the screenshots i'm not sure i can't remember if it's in the actual exposures yeah i wanted to kind of see projected ownerships for Devonte adams we have it in the flex in the main slate but basically we talked about it so you see Devonte adams and aaron Rodgers. adams probably 35 percent projected ownership rogers 30-ish percent ownership as mvp and much higher ownership in the flex another 55 and, and their total ownership is going to be you know through the roof and then you made a fast decision you said you know what i'm not beating out so explain what's going through your head you tell me i don't want to i don't want to put words in your head what are you thinking at this point where you're like i'm not going to play adams and rogers because you know everybody's playing them so give me what's going through your head at that moment for me it, it wasn't so much of uh like a complete fate of them like you know i'm not playing them i think everybody knew that they were going to score but uh when anybody's that owned inside of the captain slot especially on DraftKings, there is absolutely merit to to basically getting off of their exposure to be able to spread it out to other people especially when you can you know have so much leverage even with 10 percent ownership you know somewhere else whereas to get leverage on an adams or a rogers you you need you know, 50, 60, 70% just to double up on what their projected ownership was. But I knew they were going to contribute, but I also knew that it was possible, um, you know, that we could fit more of those studs like that into a lineup by putting in a, a minimum price guy at the captain slot, eliminating the ownership from Rogers, spreading it to more of those guys um, who could have a really nice game, but then would allow me to go in and actually fill the rest of the flex spots with those contributors that we you know, were more likely to to score big. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and so to expand upon that point, because your average person is, you know, hey, I mean, I'm looking at what you did here. You didn't just play Richie James. You played some River Craycraft. You played a little bit of even Kevin White. Kevin White? He's in the NFL still. Little Dexter Williams. Anywhere where there was a leverage possibility, Tyler Irvin had a pretty decent game, and Trent Taylor even higher, 15%. So I remember the notes. And in looking at this game, our notes said, you know, Trent Taylor, Richie James, going to be like the pass-catching duel with Craycraft coming in is kind of like the WR3. We definitely all leaned Trent Taylor as the better play of them all because Trent Taylor had been playing anyway and starting kind of anyway so he'd been out there on the field you know richie james was coming off the uh his own you know long-term injury it was his first action of the year um yeah steve warren why does it always seem obvious after the fact doesn't it but here's a big point that you just made that i want to explain so bobby wasn't and you explained this to me when you looked at these 200 dollars guys and throwing them in the captain the consideration wasn't I expect him because a lot of people like that's bullshit. There's no way you thought Richie James was going to outscore Devonte Adams on a slate. And I, and I didn't. Yeah. I did not think he was going to outscore him, but I didn't think he needed to. And I think you're going to talk about that geek. Yeah. That's the key to here. So the point wasn't that your assumption, the fact that he outscored him was a Supreme bonus, but your assumption was this guy's so cheap that even if he doesn't outscore Devonte Adams, having him in my lineup allows me to construct a lineup that looks really different from everyone else's. Cause I get all these extra studs in it. And so maybe that is the approach that leads to the win because a Richie James lineup. And actually I can use our back test tool for that. A Richie James lineup. If you locked him in to captain, you you got let's see what happens if i if i lock richie james right here into captain what's going to happen is just make sure i can oh i don't need to do that hold on i need i don't have the DraftKings rules so if i lock him in the first lineup that comes up aaron jones jermichael hasty nick mullins i mean this is almost the winning lineup if you switch jermichael hasty with um if you switch jermichael hasty with I think that's the winning lineup, right? If if I um if I switch to Michael Hasty with McKinnon, with McKinnon, that's the winner, right? Is yeah, I didn't see I didn't see all of it, but it was it was at least close. 
Hang on a second. Oh, it still gives Jamichael Hasty. All right, so I can't. But basically, that last lineup, if I just if I just run that same lineup, take a look at what one what the first lineup that pops up is with Richie James as captain, and note that it spends the entire salary. So your lineup didn't quite spend the whole salary, but if you, it, it's almost there, almost the first lineup that showed up. And the reason being, you could not get this combination without a $200 or $300 guy as your captain. It's that simple. Right. I'm just trying to see if I, if I put a dislike. Basically, I think the issue here is if I put a dislike on him, you liked McKinnon a little bit more than Jermichael Hasty, from what I recall. I Actually, did. Not, right? Yeah, I, I had to bring Hasty's exposure way down, and I brought uh, MV, uh, Scantling up, Valdez Scantling up. Oh, Valdez Scantling was another guy. Okay, so there we go. So we'll get we'll get a little light going on him. This might have been the combination that that did it. So I just want to see if a little bit of tweak just got that to pop up. Now, even still, still need a little bit of work. But regardless, the point is using a cheaper captain means that you didn't absolutely have to outscore everybody else because the lineup that's coming up, the lineup that pops up, it looks different than everybody else who used Adams or Rogers up there and had so much less to spend. You couldn't fit all of these studs in a lineup together. So was that, was that a big part of why he said, you know what, if I fade this, I can still do okay because I'm going to play both Rogers and Adams in my flex. And maybe I'll be able to get Aaron Jones in there. And maybe I'll be able to get, you know, Nick Mullins in there or a quarterback and I'll be able to get, you know, some other pieces that I, I'm interested in paying up for on the slate. And, you know, if Richie James even doesn't have a crazy game, is that kind of the thought? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as I'm running through game scenarios in my head, you know, how do how do I think the game is going to play out? What could happen over and over again? You know, in my head, I actually thought the Packers would eventually take their foot off the gas and start handing the ball off to Aaron Jones, who was back or, uh, you know, Dexter or Tyler Irvin. They didn't. So, you know, Richie James ended up needing to outscore Adams because they just kept throwing the dang ball. But in my head, even in the scenario where the Packers were, you know, stomping the 49ers, eventually Adams was going to stop getting targets. So, yeah, that's where, like, you know, the balance of the salary versus fitting in more studs came in. Exactly. Interestingly, in reality, I just I just set up the back test tool just to see the perfect lineup, which is what you what which is what you nailed. And interestingly, in the case of this one, it did not spend all of the salary cap or anywhere near it. Left a lot on the table. So other tweaks that you made, and we're going to go back and look at it, would have affected this. Or just the fact that you you did 10% of your lineup. So you, you built 15 lineups this way. It actually cycled through enough times. It would not have been probably the first one that popped up for you. It cycled through enough times. If you did a 10% play, that's 15 lineups on 150. It cycled through enough times to make its way to this one. My assumption here is that you must have jacked up Marquez Valdez-Scantling quite a bit because you've got Chalk Mullins, Chalk Rogers, Chalk Devontae Adams. Jarek McKinnon, kind of Chalk, right? We liked him too. And then Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So my assumption is it was probably running through this one, two, three, four, five grouping. Um, did you have a rule for Richie? Let's see here. No, the only rule was Marquez Scantling with Rogers. So there was no rule for forcing um, R- Richie James with Mullins. It just worked out that way. Yeah, anytime someone's that you know min price, I I try not to make any sort of rules that would eliminate them because they don't need to do that much. But yeah. Um, I, yeah, that's how, that's how it kind of worked out. Awesome. And, and you had mentioned like in your, in your general player pool, which you can wait, where is that here? So these are Bobby's final exposures for this lane. And then I want to get into some general approach stuff. Um, yeah. Hunter saying Trent Taylor was way too high projected and he was a hundred percent of lineups. Note that Bobby had wound up with Trent Taylor. It's not like the money wasn't where the mouth mouth is. He had Trent Taylor in 88% of his lineups here. 
So yeah. even with his terrible score, like, but it was just the other 14 that gave you a chance. Can you imagine? It's crazy that you still took it down with 88% exposure to Trent Taylor. That is bananas. I see here that you unchecked both Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers in the captain, which is just the balls of that move. I'm I'm mind blown by it. Yeah, I think having 88% Taylor was was you know surprising when I look back, but I, I do remember he was he was supposed to smash and he had every reason to smash. It wasn't even supposed um, to smash. He was just supposed to get three receptions and smash value. Yeah, but, yeah, two hundred bucks. That's all you got to do usually. Um, there was no expectation that. By the way, they threw to him. He just didn't catch it. Like he had a few opportunities. He had some he targets. I think yep. he did catch one pass. He had a couple points. Um, I, I was like. With his 1.5, I came in like 23rd in the play action with Trent Taylor. It's like, damn you. I had Richie James in there too, but damn and, you, and Trent Taylor. I know, man. Is he what a terrible. Like, but I, I think I think that kind of highlights, you know, one of the reasons I love mass multi-entry. Uh, and it's be, it it's because you don't have to be perfect, right? Like 88% of my lineups had a total dud guy that had no chance of making it into the optimal. Yet still, you know, one of the remaining 12% of my lineups ended up ended up taking first place. And so, you know, obviously you don't have to be perfect in MME, which I love. The other piece of it is if you can narrow your player pool enough, you don't need to be so crazy exposed on some of these MVPs or captain plays because your player base is already so concise. Like we talked about, you know, most of my lineups had Adams and Rogers and, and MVS. So... I didn't need to put 30% on a guy like Richie James, you know, to get him in a, in what could be an optimal lineup. Uh, if, if you can, you know, narrow down your player pool, keep it concise. You can get leverage on the field in that captain slot without having to go overboard on it. Unreal. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it here. So 30% MVS was, uh, you have the ownership projection next to it. So, you know, is it only going to be 16% owned? So you double leverage the field there. Um, Richie James, 10% owned, 22%. So you didn't load up on Richie James. You just had a little above the field exposure there. And you went all in on Rodgers and Adams, which I think was just how you had to play uh, this slate. And went crazy overboard on Trent Taylor, but it didn't cost you, which is really, really impressive stuff, man. And and to see this, so yeah, I mean, another interesting component here, I could see that you changed the projections around a little bit, favored McKinnon, a little bit over Jermichael Hasty, but still played both of these guys. They were both really good plays. So, you know, McKinnon worked. Hasty didn't. Dude, what were you thinking when Hasty scored that last touchdown? Did you think you had it? Did you know that you needed a touchdown? McKinnon? Yeah. Yeah, I I wasn't sure. I, I knew that I had a bunch of close lineups. I knew that I had, you know, Adams and Rodgers in all my lineups, and there were a couple that were, you know, getting close to the top 100. And I thought it would take a Mullins to Richie touchdown to get me to first place. But, you know, McKinnon scored. I'd looked at it just to see, and I wasn't first. I couldn't, I could not believe it, man. It was unreal because he scored on like the last play of the game, basically too. I couldn't believe it myself. And then somebody's like, Bobby, wow, in first. And I'm like, stop it. I don't believe you. And there, there it was. And I was like, I just could not believe it. Um, Hunter's asking if you full faded uh, Jones. Aaron I did. Jones. I did. Yeah. And that What's was in my notes there? too. I, you know, Aaron Jones was coming back from injury and we knew that he was a game time decision. You know, he, there was some back and forth talk about how, how much he would play if he would even suit up at all. And so, you know, my frame of mind is the Packers are gonna, they're going to handle the 49ers relatively easily. And so even if Jones does play, they're not going to need him to play a bunch and that's kind of what we saw after the after the first half. You know, Jones was somewhat involved in, in the run game and the pass game. But, you know, the second half hit, the Packers were pulled away at that point, and Jones really didn't see the field much at all. So that that was my thought process on him. And I and I mentioned that in the notes too. Yeah, it, it, it worked out. Again, also the matchup maybe wasn't the best for, for Jones against it. San Francisco is still pretty good against the run. So, you know, a lot of these things, sometimes you have these ideas and, and it doesn't even play out how you thought. But it still works. So you're like, all right, cool. 
because I thought they played Jones more than what I was expecting a little bit, especially seeing him out there kind of in the fourth quarter, just hammering up the middle. But what they didn't do was exciting passing plays to Jones. He was just kind of out there a little bit, getting the getting the legs under the football. Yeah, and I think the primary indicator for me was they ended up elevating, you know, Dexter or McCluster, whoever that whoever that was, to you know, to their actually actual roster before the game. So, um, you know, there was clearly some doubts about Jones, and that was enough for me to get off him. Um, a question came up about tonight's game, and and that that actually makes me want to kind of come off of the specifics of this conversation and talk a little overall showdown strategy and DFS strategy with you, two time winner. You're one of the few, by the way, in the world. I don't know that there's a, there's anybody else, or, or there are very many people who have won more than one um, Millie Maker contest. Um, technically, I won one once, but I shared it with like 400 people. <laughs> hey, a win's a win. Can I call myself a Millie Maker winner? That one was like, it was like three grand by the time I split it with all my friends. <laughs> Didn't feel like a million. I don't feel like a millionaire after that, but but technically I did win one. Um, all right. Brandon's asking a question about tonight's game. So not Monday night specific, obviously, but let's talk general. Tonight there is a game, right? And one player is projected above all others in the MVP slash captain spot by a mile. Cam Newton tonight, 50-60% projection. In your mind, when you're entering the tournament, is that an auto fade for you? Do you just be like, all right, I'm not, yeah, I'm not doing that it's not necessarily an auto fade, you know, but anytime you see somebody with 30 plus percentage of exposure somewhere, I have red flags that go up and say, you know what, let's think about the other scenarios that that could happen. We know what should happen is Cam Newton, you know, running the football, being able to throw the football as well and him scoring, you know, the highest of anyone on the slate, but with the way he's played with the injuries, all these different factors, you know, we know that other things could happen. So, 30% 30% or more is like, we have to at least explore the possibility of what that looks like. I don't even know what's, what's showing on screen here, but um, <laughs> I, I got lost. So philosophically, not an auto fade. Let me ask you a couple other questions specific to showdowns. On DraftKings in particular. Now we know that wide receiver is the ultimate on DraftKings, pass catchers tend to blow up um, in 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 higher scoring ways than running back. Not to say running backs win all the time too, but pass catchers, especially obscure ones, can kind of come out of nowhere and have a really big game and be the top scorer for cheap. So when you're when you're setting up your captain exposures for these slates, how much diversification are, are you really? So you're looking at the ownership projection and you're saying, all right, I want to get leverage against where can I get is, are you starting with leverage where can I leverage the field are you starting with all right here are some pass catchers no one likes them like last night I'll give you a great example Emmanuel Sanders it was the return of Michael Thomas it was Kamara out there no one was playing Emmanuel Sanders or Traquan Smith but both of them had really good games when you're mass multi-entering last night do you have Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith captain lineups did you have those last night so this is going to sound crazy I only ran a single entry last night. I Ah. feel like about, you know, 50% of the time I run single 50% mass multi-entry. And I had Emmanuel Sanders as my captain Ah. in in that one. So, you know, to me, it's, it's, yeah, it's partially the ownership for sure. I think it's also, you know, where, where can we take advantage of people overreacting to stories or overreacting to the situation at hand? Yes, Michael Thomas is coming back. He's a beast. He's the playmaker. But Emmanuel Sanders is a good football player. And, you know, one of the things that Thomas does is he takes attention away from Sanders now. Without Thomas, Sanders was the priority for defenses in terms of pass catchers. Now that Thomas is back, in theory, he's got some more room to run. You know, their best guy, the best defender is not necessarily glued to him. So, you know, those types of things are, are always going through my head. You know, how, how can we zoom out a little bit when everyone's overreacting to somebody returning or coming back or, you know, being injured, how can we look at this, you know, with very real other possibilities? How much of a factor is also the fact that again, much like rich, Richie James, Manny Sanders kind of cheap lineup that's constructed around a cheaper captain on DraftKings, 
looks different than lineup constructed around a stud. You try to put Kamara in there. Now you probably have two super, super cheap guys, maybe three. Um, you try to put Michael Thomas, Godwin, any of those guys in there. You kind of have a, a, a lineup that comes together in kind of a, a different way. Whereas if you use one of these cheaper guys, now all of a sudden Drew Brees is in your lineup. Now all of a sudden, you know, you've gotten a couple of pay up options. Maybe, you know, I don't know if you avoided the Tom Brady and his pass catchers disaster last night. It would have been really, really impressive if you did. I did not. No, no. But I, I would actually think that that lineup might have still cashed in. In um, Did that lineup, did whatever you put out there cash in your single entry? It did. Yeah. yeah. And, and like you said, you know, it's a combination of all those things. It was leverage. It was salary. With Sanders in there, I was able to fit both Breeze and Brady and, you know, either Camara or a stud wide receiver uh, for Tampa Bay. So with, with any of the bigger name guys, there's no way you're fitting you maybe not that. even two of those three in nope. some cases. So, yeah, that that is exactly what played into all that. Came back to bite me with the Brady thing. But, yeah, that's that's, right. that's the thought process every time. Now, we talked a little bit off air about this, and I want to manage expectations. The approach that you use, a hyper-contrarian approach, is the right way to win tournaments. But it's also a great way to not cash in tournaments when you're not winning them. So yes. that that's one of the challenges of being an, a mass multi-entry player is what seems like a plus EV, and plus EV means positive expected return or expected value to your approach, often leads to complete wipeouts so we're talking about this up there how, how often do you max out tournaments just showdowns main slates how, how often are you maxing these out and let's just focus on the football season yeah I, I try i try and do my best to to max out you know maybe all but three or four of the main slates for nfl um you know obviously not after last year i've, I've been able to do that in terms of showdown stuff, maybe every other one, just depending on when I have time, you know, half our single entry, half our, our max. So um, if, if you don't have a lot of time about how, how much time do you need? Do you feel like you would spend maxing out a showdown? Like how much, how much quiet time do you need today to set up 150 for tonight? Honestly, a, a solid hour is is usually the sweet spot somewhere in that 45 minute hour maybe hour and 10 minutes depending on the slate uh that is like if i can get that i'm, I'm all in on on mme but the way the domination station is set up um speaking of the domination station dfs army tools you know one of the things we were talking about off air is you know how special it is not just, you know, one of the reasons I get so excited when you take down a big tournament, aside from you're awesome and I like I couldn't happen to a better guy, is because it's a proof of concept of these tools. For me, every time one of our subscribers, one of our members takes down a tournament, I go, oh, wow, that is proof of concept that what we've built, this tool that we've put together, that we've designed, really works to take down like we thought it would. I use... A lot of times the way that the tool is designed, it's for myself. I play, and so I notice things that I don't have. Like the reason every option is here is either myself or, or you guys as DFS Army subscribers will will DM me or, or message me and be like, Kevin, you know, it'd be really, really helpful if we could do this. And be like, fuck yeah, I didn't think about that. That's great. Or, you know, a concept or a, a tool, an approach, like a little thing. All, all the extras that we keep building in here, even just being able to control rules for captain and flex, that was just something I wanted to do. I was like, you know, at one point I would have to run the run the tool like for each different captain in order to create like a rule for that captain. And I was like, you know, what? that's a really stupid way. Wouldn't it be nice if we can control rules for captain and then the flex? So all of these things are proofs of concept for me. So I love it because, hey, we've had DFS Army members and users take down virtually every showdown of the last two years, maybe even three years. Whenever since we launched this tool, it's been almost every one. It's not always the million dollar one. Sometimes it's the dollar one. Sometimes the fifty cent. You know, there are five or six different ones that go on Fanduel. But I don't recall, outside of maybe you know last night, actually outside of that one last night, that was one of the worst ones ever, the Drew Brady onslaught. But outside of that one, I I can't almost remember one where somebody didn't take down. So it's so impressive. But I wanted to ask you philosophically. So how we we were talking about how often you enter and mass multi enter. What, how often do you lose 
in these entries? Because this is really important for people to understand. Like, how, when you're mass multi-entering, what percentage of the time do you come out losing money? I think it, I think it's super important. I, I would say, in when it comes to mass multi-entry, ninety plus percent of the time, I'm losing money. So maybe you know, at best, maybe one out of every ten MME contests, I'm at least you know breaking even or making a little bit of profit. And even then, you know, unless you're finishing in the top twenty-five or so, it's it's usually minimal. Um, so you know, best case scenario, 90% of the time, you know, you're losing money. So it's, it's tough. It's a tough mindset. And, you know, obviously you got to figure out where you feel better about yourself and, and other DFS contests and sports to try and make sure that you're building up and not just constantly losing. Because if you're only doing MME, that's, that's real. You know, that's what the odds say you're eventually going to lose. So yeah, that that's, that's probably what I would estimate. I honestly think it's one of the most important things you said because a lot of people watch are, are watching this now and a lot of people get into DFS and they, they're they not understanding. Like I get I get emails all the time constantly from people. Well, I, I used your tool this weekend and I lost money. So fuck you and your tools. You suck. <laughs> now, they don't need to throw in the second part. All they had to say was, I don't okay, goodbye. Thank you for thank you for showing up. But I always say, listen, you didn't understand what you were doing. I, you know, how many, how many times do I have to tell you when you mass multi-enter, you expect to lose most of the time? My goal, I lose, yeah, I, I lose 90% of the time when I mass multi-enter. Oh, yeah, oh, he's got a great we'll, we'll get to that. Um, Jean Baptiste. We'll get to that in a second. But when it's really, really important to understand that every time you mass multi-enter, you should be expecting to lose money. And the reason is, especially Bobby, with doing it the right way, which is what you do, where you're leveraging ownership against the field, most of the time, Devontae Adams is going to smash and be the right guy to choose. The problem is, even if he's right, even if that happens, and even if, okay, 50%, like tonight, 60% owned Cam. Most of the time, Cam's going to be the highest scoring player in the game. The problem, so you, well, I, I want to be right. Okay. Well, you're right. You picked Cam, but now you still have to beat out uh, 120,000 out of 200 lineups that all also pick Cam. So where's your leverage? Do you really think that not only you picked Cam, you and 120,000 other lineups picked him? So now the whole rest of your lineup needs to be great now. So, the leverage is th this is one of the reasons why when you enter one of these contests like that night I had almost all Devonte Adams lineups right, but when Devonte Adams was scoring, it, my lineup was not shooting to the top; it was just staying where it was because everybody else had the same. So it only mattered who else you played. And you talk about it really well when it comes to bracket stuff too, geek. I don't know if that fits here, but you know it's kind of like if I were to ask you, do you want a three percent chance? To profit five hundred dollars, or do you want a, you know, 0.6 percent chance to profit five hundred thousand dollars? Your chances are significantly higher to, you know, profit a little bit, yet still low. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, in in that scenario, you might as I well be go taking for a the, shot. Uh, yeah, you might as well go for the five hundred k, because how you know three percent five hundred doesn't pay for all the other times that you didn't win. Right. That's the whole point. When you're when you're mass multi-entering, you're gonna lose a lot. So when you win, you need to take down first place and win all the monies. Um, my example that I always give, and it, it just makes the most sense to my head, is is of course, yeah, with the brackets, and we've talked about this before. Where March Madness brackets, you, I'm going up against a thousand people in a tournament, and I know that half of them are picking Duke to win. Duke is a 50-50 favorite to win. They're, they're plus 100 to win the whole thing. So, yeah, I'm going to pick the number one favorite. The problem is, yeah, if Duke wins, now I've only I've only eliminated half the field. Now I need to compete with half of the field to have a better sheet than all of them. Essentially, it, it compares to your lineup. So it's like, I don't know that I'm good enough to beat half the field, even if my 50-50 dice roll on the winner 
works out, I'm still a loser because I didn't gain anything on this field. I'm still with half the field. So I'm trying to take down first. I'm much better off saying, you know what? I'll take a, I'll take the fourth favorite team, which is only expected, you know, their odds, their win odds are 6%, but only four people chose them. So give me 6% team, you know, Gonzaga, give me Gonzaga to win it. Only six other players out of a hundred, only five, 4% of the people chose this team to win the whole thing. But now if they happen to win a 6% um, possibility, according to the odds, now I only have to beat in one in six shot at all the monies, right? Instead of a one in 50 shot at the money when my 50, 50 chip. So if you add those two possibilities together, you're much, much better off not taking essentially your, your expected return is much better when you take the third or the fourth or the fifth favorite team. And the same thing works out in DFS. It's a math game. It's really hard though. Mentally, you look at a chalk play, Christian McCaffrey's on the slate. It's a showdown. How do you not put him at your MVP? How do you not put him there? What are you crazy? What do you hate money? Why would you do that? And yet, when Christian McCaffrey gets hurt on the second play, which is what a 10% possibility, you've just now leapfrogged 90, 90% of the lineups in the contest. Right. That's how you win a million. We say, well, you know, that's probably not going to happen today, but if you do it consistently every time, somebody says luck on Twitter. Somebody's like, you got lucky. Remember you saw that, you know, I don't pay attention to Twitter trolling, but you know, somebody's like, well, it's all luck. And, and I just find it funny because if your process is, I always do this every time, it's no longer luck. It's just the process. So speaking of process. Can I, you, yeah, can I say a couple quick things real yeah, fast? Yeah. You know, one, just to emphasize again, you know, I lose all the time. I lose far more often than I win. And that's the nature of MME. You know, the second thing is there is absolutely luck involved. Like that is, there's no doubt about it. Um, I Anytime you are putting trust and faith in a human being's performance, there are a variety of outcomes that could happen. And that's just the reality of DFS sports. It's, it's the reality of, of, you know, any, any sort of sports gambling. Um, however, you know, I think you are better set up for success if you control every possible thing that you can control. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, like, for example, I'm not trying to, to, you know, just go crazy, plug in DFS army, but legitimately, you know, it's, it's why I win. I think the tools that, that are set up here, the, the domination station, the way it's set up, ownership projections, notes, all those things allow me to control as much as I can possibly control when it comes to building lineups. Um, and, and I think that is incredibly important in DFS because like you said, that allows you to create a, a process that you can stick to every single time, week in and week out. And what does a process do? A process eliminates variance. So, you know, that, that's kind of where I'm at. Yes, there's totally luck involved. Uh, yes, I lose all the time. Um, but the more that you're able to control what you're able to control, the better off you'll be and the, you know, the better your chances are of winning in the long run. I totally agree. I think it's, you have to repeat your process and like have the understanding and the courage in, in a lot of ways to go against the grain, to leverage the field and also to know yourself. I think this is one of the, for me, one of the most important things for every player is to know themselves. There are some people who just cannot handle that style of play. The brain won't allow it. The brain does not allow me to fade the most obvious play. That's There are people who just, their mind doesn't work that way, which is fine. You have to learn yourself as a player. If you're that kind of player, you need to adjust the type of contest that you're entering for the style of contest that will favor playing, you know, the smartest sort of just general on paper plays every single game. That's a little more of a cash game approach. That's a little more of a, hey, I'm in a tournament against 250 people. I see a lot of big name players that people know about. And you see their big wins and they play kind of chalky plays. And then you look at the contest they're in and it's just a very expensive contest against 60 other people. You know, they're not th that that approach 
is great. I'll put a thousand dollars up against, you know, 25 people take down first place. That's a, you know, a 10 K win or something like that. There are different approaches and lineups constructed for the right contest. So I think one of the problems I see a lot of Bobby and I definitely not in you. I mean, listen, I, I, I DM you. I'm like, Hey, what can I do to leverage in here? Because like my brain says, ah, uh, Russell Wilson's best play on the slate. I'm just going to play him. Right. So you got to get away from that in the giant tournament because you're not winning it doing the obvious approach. I think last year there was a contest where you and I were on a show together and it was like Lamar Jackson when he was in the Lamar Jackson on fire mode. And MVP, like, yeah. I'm like, I can't, I can't. And you know, of course he smashed, but, but uh, you know, I was like, you really would fade Lamar. It was like Lamar and a whole bunch of nothing. And as a fan duel, I was like, no, of course you you're like, you know what? I'm playing Lamar. Even you played Lamar, I think, in that one. I did. But last year, like, yeah, I can't do it. But the the um the balls, really, and and it's not the balls, it's a wrong word. It's really the 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 general game theory understanding of the leverage situation and saying, all right, I'm going to just do this every time because I know this is gonna work. Over time, this is the correct way of of trying to win one of these, even if I'm gonna lose a lot of them along the way, and accepting the losses that are going to come with this approach and not having self doubt to creep in and say, you know what, maybe I was stupid, you know, for doing my approach here this week. Maybe, maybe it's wrong because you see the chalk hit, you know, week after week or a couple weeks in a row and you start to say, does that ever creep in for you where you're like, you know what, man, I didn't play Devonte and he smashed. I kind of knew it was the best play and, and I didn't play this guy and he smashed kind of knew it. Or you always like, Nope, I'm fine with it because, 30% own smash doesn't even help me. I don't care. It totally creeps into it. And I, you know, I think what you said is is absolutely right on and crucial. You have to figure out what your gut says. And I'm not going to say it's black and white for everybody, but for some people, coming up with the what should happen in this game is really easy. It's natural to say, oh, well, you know, all the looking at the lines and looking at this, this is how it should play out. And this is how I'm going to play my lineups. I suck at that. I, I can't win money in cash for the life of me. Um, but, you know, that's because my gut always goes to the, well, I don't care about what should, what should happen, what, what could happen. Here's all these different scenarios of what could happen. And so, you know, for me, my only hope is in GPP and, and MME for the most part. It's hard for me to play lineups of what should happen. You know, so figure that's out where you way. feel comfortable. Figure Such out where you feel natural and and. Even like when it comes to rooting, you know, how do you root for sports, uh, specifically for teams you don't watch? That all plays into your lineup creation as crazy as it sounds. So I, I think that's an awesome point, Geek. That's that's super important. Uh, yeah, I mean, the flip side, hundred percent, got to understand yourself as a player. And I think it's fascinating, you know, that you can't play cash games. It doesn't work because your your whole approach to DFS. And by the way, mixing the two is really difficult. So when you start to mix the two, that's where a lot of people can run into some trouble where you're like, hey, all right, I, I'm able to mix the two, but, you know, it does creep in and it does my cash. You know, the, the hard part for me is, you know, I, I look at the games and what I try to figure out, a lot of my content is based around what should happen in this game. Looking at the defense, looking at the DVP, looking at the matchup, looking at all of these things and saying, all right, you know what, this matchup points to this, but to take it to the next level and say, you know what? What if everybody thinks that Tyler Lockett is going to go off this week in a great matchup, but I'm going to play David Moore because no one's on it or, you know, Josh Allen, but uh, I'm just going to roll him naked and, or I'll, I'll just play him with like players from other teams because, you know, why not? You know, maybe he'll have a good game, but everybody's going to play Allen to dig. So why don't I just not do that and do something different? So, all of these interesting tournament approaches, there's no wrong answers to it. It's really totally. There's so many levels. We could talk about it forever. I mean, even contests, like but the difference between a showdown slate, room for error, and a Sunday main slate is massive, right? Like you could pick a lot of chalk guys on a main slate and still be contrarian, whereas on a on a you know showdown slate, you have to be far more contrarian than you are chalk um, in, in certain ways. So, yeah, it, it's there's a lot. A lot of complexity to it, and you just have to got to drill down and be honest with yourself. Somebody asked, "How much money in winnings would make you retire from DFS?" I love sports, so 
you know, there's, there's no retirement point for me. I don't, you know, I don't think. One of the things I love about you is you are a true fan of your local teams. Like I see you on Twitter, like you love your Chicago teams. Um, like a real, like you like Mitch Trubisky. You're like, I love Mitch. He's my quarterback. You I know what I mean? Mitch. You're out there with the, with the Cubs. I think it is um, yep. just like living and dying with that team. So a true, true sports fan that hasn't lost your fandom because you're a DFS, you know, goat. By the way, we got to put a goat on your DFS <laughs> army helmet. At this point, you've earned the goat status. We're gonna we're gonna build you a new avatar with with an actual goat on there. It's got to happen. Now you'll keep your what is that? That pink one is is the what? What's the insignia on there? I can't even see it. I th I believe it's breast cancer and. You know, to be honest, there's no like specific story for me that. Oh, it's the breast cancer that, awareness one that you used. Okay, yes. interesting yep. choice. Because so, he's a freaking great guy. That's what it is. That's what he chose the breast of all the of all the avatars. He took the breast cancer awareness one. That's great. Um, somebody last week we had somebody um take down this exact contest, but with a few more people in it, and he pulled a a um a Khabib Numergamadoff move. <laughs> where he cut his gloves off in the octagon and said, this was my last, I won, I will hit the pinnacle. But you already hit the pinnacle. You've been playing still. So I don't know, unless there's a $20 million contest down the road, you know, I don't see you going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, part of it, it just adds a different level to sports. And I already love watching sports, but it gives some more meaning to it. Uh, it you know, and, and the other part is, you know, whether it's DFS Army or not, and obviously I love DFS Army, there is a genuine like community element to DFS that if you're not plugged into a community somewhere, you need to get plugged in because it is, it is so underrated and undervalued and not talked about enough. The, the DFS community uh, is, has, has been amazing for me. And this having is one. Pre, this is right. pre-wins having one. Yeah. Uh, so a lot if, of if people you're not plugged in somewhere, get plugged in somewhere because it's, it's super important and it's been, I mean, I know it's kind of a cheap, a cheap phrase to say, but it really has been life changing in ways for me. Aside from the wins, one of the beautiful things. Listen, there are other groups out there that exist, but one of the things that I think a lot of people on the outside don't understand is beyond. Yes, we have tools and we have coaches and we have we all talk about sports. We have great podcasts. We have Bobby Wow and and all these great people. There's a there's a wonderful community as part of the FS Army for me too. It's it absolutely has been life changing because. In an oddity, I've met essentially what our friends and all these people. We talk about our hobby that we love, and we strategize together. And Bobby Wow was just a was a member, just like everybody else. Joined DFS Army. I don't know how much experience. When did you join DFS Army? Uh, uh, you know, at least three or four years ago. It's been it's been a while. Yeah, three or four years ago, a regular player hadn't won millions or hadn't really won any monster contests, and you know, took to it, participated. Lot, you know, and all of a sudden the big win comes and it's like, not everybody, it doesn't happen for everyone. But one of the great things about our community is, listen, we all root each other on. We all talk about the games. And I think having this hobby is really, really difficult if you're trying to do it in a vacuum. I think it's hard to do it if you're just like on your own, like out there, you're not learning strategies. You don't even know that there's a different way to construct a lineup for a, a millie maker than you should for an, a, a single entry just out there. And you throw a lineup in there and, and you don't really dive into those specifics i think it's extremely difficult and it's also encouraging it's nice and it's it's friendship and it's also a lot of entertainment that we all get from one another so yeah i mean i think it's really great that you said that because i do think it's one of the most uh one of the critical things and one of the greatest things about dfsr i mean i'm sure like i said i'm sure there are other groups out there with less badass tools than ours no bobby wow but don't get an occasional rap from the from the um, charismatic leader, but but nonetheless, that are out there that have the same thing. So I do think that's super super important. Um, let's wrap it up here, Bobby. That was awesome. Again, congratulations on that incredible win, million dollar than a half. I mean, look on screen, guys, million dollars. Never forget David Johnson was in it. What are you crazy? And then and then um, and then a half a million dollar win. A year later, $1.5 million, house paid for, no mortgage, 
student loans paid off, kids college fund taken care of, new kitchen in the house, of course. Of course. What more can you ask for? Do you have a new kitchen in the house? Did the DFS pay for a kitchen? I feel like it should. If not, I'm going sure. to talk to you. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk to Mrs. Clinkert about <laughs> letting you know that she deserves a, a brand new kitchen in that house. And so much more. Um, thank you again for popping on. I, I always love having you on everything that we do. The more Bobby Clink I get, the better. So, and, and of course, behind the scenes, like I said, community wise, I just want to go back to it. Like, as you know, we, we become friends. We get to know each other. We, we, you know, we find out about each other. I have a lot of people that have become my friends from DFS Army that never would be. So it's one of the greatest things. And if you guys are not signed up, if you're just watching this and you're like, hey, that was awesome for Bobby Wow, and, and you're thinking about it, go to DFS Army, get signed up as a VIP. We even have like a free offer thing. You could click on it, top of the page up here. You sign up for a site. Where is that thing? Um, free offer here. You sign up for any of the sites that we promote. You get a free month. We want you to come check it out. So if you're not a DFS Army subscriber and you're watching this, why don't you come check it out? We have tools that take down million-dollar contests. Doesn't mean you're going to take one down. Probably never going to take one down. I haven't taken one down yet, and I've been playing this shit for longer than anybody. Trust me. I, I played FanDuel before anybody heard of it. I promise you. You didn't even hear of it. All the people that you know of today that are the big name, they never heard of FanDuel when I started playing FanDuel, like in 2011. Trust me. The names, by the way, I can go off. But I didn't take down a million, but I take down contests. I love to play. This is my hobby. And we build tools. We have incredible pros for every sport. We don't have Geek doing NASCAR or, or you know, Bobby doing tennis. We get people who are really good at stuff, who are really good at their, at their sports, who lead them. We have projection teams. I found the best projection guys for every sport, and I brought them in because I wanted those projections for myself. And then everybody else gets – then the dues – allows us to pay for them. So that's how DFS Army came together. We looked for the best at everything that we could find. We brought them all together, each sport individually, and we all kind of combine. We 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 all kind of combine. And we're able to use the tools. We're able to use the advice. Everybody's stuff looks different. Bobby and I never have the same lineups. Like, that's not how it works. But takes down a tournament. Other members take down. That is the beautiful thing. Go sign up at DFSArmy.com as a VIP you get all the sports included. Use promo code Bobby Wow. Made a special one for you. There it is. Promo code Bobby Wow. And that I'll never be able to ditch that name, man. No one's but gonna I love it. you'll never live it down. <laughs> you use promo code Bobby Wow when you sign up. It's a it's a 20% off lifetime of the sub. It's $39.99 a month. It's like such a no-brainer. The the research, the tools, the community, everything's everything's part of it. It's like a dollar a day. If you're not doing this and you're playing DFS and you're watching this, you're playing minus EV. Why would you do that? Why? I don't understand it. Why? You don't like winning money? Oh, I don't want to pay you $39 a month. All right. Well, how much fucking time do you have to spend? How much is your time worth? Just our research tools. Forget it. You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to be in our Slack. Just our research tools and our optimizer and having ownership projections. That's already worth it. Just having every sport covered, that's already worth it. MMA team, best in the business. And NASCAR team, best in the business. I'm not even going to talk about the football team because that's me. You decide. I don't know. And I'm not speaking from experience, but I mean, you know, your your wife certainly doesn't want to hear about when you had the sure play that would have won you a million bucks and he he dudded. He, he sucked. Your kids don't want to hear about it. You got to have somewhere to, to blow off some steam. So, no, I, I man, I, I totally agree. Got to have it. Us. Come tilt with us Come tilt when you play Justin Jackson and he gets hurt on the first play of the game. Like I had him 98% of my lineups. Oh man. All my money went down. I'm like, at least I got Justin Jackson going in the afternoon. Let's do it. Oh no, it's done. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. A lot of Come guys are asking, us, man. what a great uh, way to get into the holiday season. That's uh, it. And a lot of people are asking why you don't have a Ferrari. Um, are, are you getting a Ferrari? I'm not. No, I will not be getting a Ferrari. We, we're, to, we're a Toyota family. So Toyota RAV4s through and through. I don't know if you could still drive a Toyota RAV4 after a million dollars. You got to go for the Highlander. <laughs> Step oh, it man. up. The Highlander. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you permission. Step it up. 
Highland. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm not saying I'm not saying go crazy. We don't need we don't need a a, a Land Rover. Got to get the Highlander. That's fantastic. Here we go. Pretty boys coming in. Make sure you use Bobby Wow promo code to get twenty percent off, or do the freebie, man. There's a free membership. You just sign. You use a free offer. You sign up. Sign up for Super Draft, man. We'll give you a free month. That's how you do it. Sign up for Super Draft. Don't pay, don't pay us the money. Then you see. Do these guys suck? If they suck, you don't have to sign up. If they don't suck, then you're like, hey, I'll, I'll hang out for another month. I kind of like this year. Wow, I learned something. It made my game better. Or oh, that dollar a day really saved me like a couple hours worth of research time. That was worth it because fuck, my time's worth more than a dollar an hour. How much do you value your time, Bobby? How much do you value your time at? I don't know, man, but it's it's certainly it more, more than, than a dollar, a dollar an hour. I would hope. Yes, a couple bucks an hour. Absolutely. I value my time at like a hundred and fifty dollars to two hundred dollars an hour. Oh man, am I am I getting invoice for this? Do you you have to bill me? Thank God. <laughs> I'm saying like you know, I once I once dealt with an attorney. I'm going off the rails here. I once dealt with an attorney, and he wanted five hundred fifty dollars an hour. And I said, you motherfucker, you think you're that much better than me that I should pay you $550 of fuck you and your $550 an hour. An hour. Wow. That's what I said. I was like, I was insulted. I was like, wait, I don't, I'm not worth 550. You're worth five times more than I'm worth. Screw you. <laughs> hated, hated it. All right. Anyway. Oh, man. All right. Enough of that. Thank you, Bobby. Wow. That was awesome. Good luck tonight for anybody doing the showdown. For any showdown, sign up as DFS Army as a VIP. Bobby, I will see you next time for our next showdown breakdown. Good luck tonight again on the breakdown. And um, best of luck to everybody. Let's see those helmets, man. Good stuff. Let's do it, man. Good luck, everybody. Take care, everyone. Best coaches in the game, <laughs> we really ain't playing. We regroup up in the Slack chat where the coaches debrief. We be piecing these puzzles, occupy the chunk of the pie. Ain't no lie when we hit the block, helmets, casket is top. You be seeing helmet after helmet, helmet after helmet. First place, second place, fifth place, eighth place, twelfth place, fifteen, sixteen, twenty. So many helmets, you got blur vision, we got too many. Dick your tech, oh man. It's fucked up. Army, regroup. We pledge always to have that edge. We don't fire warning shots. Competition just dropped. We locked and loaded before lock. Whatever the time, yeah. Do you even correlate?